The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this week is Clifford Faintish. He is a certified financial planner at Cedar Bridge Financial Group. Uh, He's going to be talking to us today about long-term care and providing for long-term care expenses. Welcome to the show, Cliff. Thanks, Jordan. It's great to be here. Tell us a little bit about your background and credentials before we get into the details here. Well, I'm a certified financial planner. I'm also an accredited investment fiduciary and a chartered financial consultant. And I have an independent practice in Goshen, New York, outside of New York City. All right, so let's start with the basics here. Uh, Why is planning for long-term care uh, so important to people? People don't think of this in many cases, but why is it so important to plan for that? Well, you know, Jordan, the United States is in the middle of a significant and growing caregiving crisis. Family caregivers can sacrifice hundreds of thousands of dollars in lost wages, benefits, and Social Security over a work life in order to care for loved ones. And all we have to do is think about the so-called sandwich generation. Think about baby boomers who have been put in the middle of having to care for elderly parents at the same time when they are helping their children uh, getting ready and going through college. Uh, The demand for long-term care is greater than than it's ever been, and there's a couple of reasons for that. First, families are in transition. And second, we all live in an aging America. So I'm going to take these ideas one at a time. According to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, uh, their data reported that there's been significant changes to the family structure, and that includes that two-thirds of women are now working outside of the home Many women are waiting to have children, and less than 15% of seniors actually live with their children. And the reasons that we live in an aging America include that there's, today, in our country, there's longer life expectancy, and there's a lower birth rate. And the big one is that there are 79 million baby boomers. And let's not forget that the leading edge of boomers have already turned 65. According to the U.S. Census, they've reported data that there were more than 40 million Americans aged 65 and older in 2010. And the projections suggest that there will be more than 70 million Americans that are aged 65 and older by the year 2030. And that's just around the corner. So we've never had a situation like this, you're saying, in the past. We've got this many people living this long, going to be needing long-term care. Well, that's correct. And and so uh, are we prepared for it? I mean, as a nation... Is this something we've planned for and are ready for? Uh, I don't think so. I think that the discussion has been very short-term. We've been having a lot of focus on the Affordable Care Act and what uh, the media has now been calling Obamacare is doing to our health industry in the United States. But that focus has been just on health insurance reform. And as we're going to discuss further today, 
you're going to see that health insurance does not address long-term care issues. So all the Obamacare does not deal at all with long-term care issues, is what you're saying. It's completely separate. Right. It deals with health insurance. And health insurance essentially is, deals with the situations that you have that are presumptively restorative. So let me give you an example. Let's say you were out, let's say, skiing, and you had an accident and you broke your leg. Well, the care that you would receive afterwards would be presumptively restorative. Your broken leg may be something terrible or it may be something simple. Um, the care you receive may be just some, a basic splint or it may involve some hospitalization. The presumptive restoration is for the use of your leg. It doesn't presume that you're going to be able to go back to exactly where you were and be able to ski again. Long-term care is not presumptively restorative. The thing to recognize is that long-term care is extended chronic care. So this is something we're looking at uh, typically when we become elderly. And the thought process that we use with this goes something like this. When you don't die, you live. When you live, you get old. And when you get old, you may get sick. And when you get sick, you're going to need care. And this is not only for old people. There are people who are younger who have accidents and other reasons why they need long-term care as well. It's not only for older people, right? Well, this is correct, because what if, rather than a skiing accident, it was something much more horrible that left you, I don't know, in a vegetative state or in a coma. Um, God forbid something like that happens to an individual, and there's extended care. Well, the health insurance component will cover what is presumptively restorative, the being admitted and discharged from a hospital and uh, the doctors and the procedures, but not for what's chronic if you need a very long extended period of care. Do we have a rough idea of how many people each year need long-term care or, or you know, sh- should be getting long-term care? Well, that depends on your longevity. And, I mean, if I were to take three of us and put us at a table, Jordan, okay, so there's you, there's me, and say there's the listener. And let's fast forward the clock a few years and bring you up to age 65 and fast forward the clock a little more and bring me up to 65. And listener, you can bring your clock forward or backward, but let's say we're all 65. And there's three of us at the table. Well, the odds are that two out of three of us will need some form of care during the rest of our lives. And that's an astonishing number for any kind of risk pooling. Yes, indeed. So let's, okay, so this is the number of people need it. So exactly who does provide long-term care as covered by these long-term care policies we'll be talking about? Well, long-term care, let's let's separate out the idea of what is long-term care and what is a long-term care insurance policy. Because an insurance policy is exactly that. It pays for things. But the first thing to recognize is what is long-term care and how does it happen and why do we need to be aware of it. So essentially, long-term care is delivered in various forms and settings. And I would, I would break those down by saying the first one is what we would call home health care. So think of a visiting nurse and having a nurse in the home. Well, this is what a lot of people want. Uh, we all desire to ideally age in place, and 
uh, without having too much preparation for it, we think, well, you know, if I ever need it, I'll get a nurse in the home. But there are, are alternatives, and those include adult daycare settings. Uh, this is really quite good for when there's a family caregiver involved and perhaps somebody's available during the evening, but during the work day, they have to be at work, and so during the day, uh, there are adult daycare settings. Um, there's also what we call assisted living facilities, and that's where somebody may receive a type of custodial care. So it's not a full-blown nursing situation. Maybe there are assistants and caregivers that come in part of the time and provide some measure of assistance, but it's still a type of an apartment setting. And then, of course, there is nursing home, which is what you would contemplate to be full-skilled care. So really, long-term care is a series of decisions, and it involves the entire family. And the big thing about that is that it requires what we call, it requires what we call coordination of care. Now, that's a critical component. So in a lot of families, this creates a measure of strife because it'll create this family problem of who actually gets stuck with task, the task of coordinating the care. I mean, who's going to call and make sure the different shifts are coming in if it's a visiting nurse, or who's going to make the assessments and schedule with the doctors to, um, for rehabilitation or to see, does my loved one need a different level of care than they're getting now? And usually what happens with coordination of care is that it'll fall to the geographically closest adult child. And most often this is a daughter or daughter-in-law, and that's just, I don't know, for realities that women are falling to um, becoming caregivers more often than men, um, but as we're going to see over and over again, uh, the whole issue of planning for long-term care is very much a woman's issue. Is most of the long-term care done, of those four you talked about, home health care, adult daycare, assist living and nursing home, most of it is home health care, AIDS, is that the majority of it? Well, that's hard to say. I mean, uh, demographics and geographics um, put a play into that, and I don't know if I can find reliable data to break that apart, but I do think that a lot of people prefer to have care in the home, but sometimes that's not practical for not only reasons of the health condition, but because of, well, where's family located? Who co- can coordinate the care? Is it uh, somebody who's single or a Uh, a widow or widower, in those situations, assisted living facilities are a much better solution. Um, Of course, adult daycare is also an alternative. All of these things are alternatives to full-blown nursing home. Um, Okay, so let's get a sense now. These are the different kinds of long-term care. Give me a rough cost of, uh, on a national basis, what the different kinds would be, say, on a per-year or per-hour kind of basis? Well, some of the large insurance companies study this very closely, and they'll publish major um, reports and surveys that they conduct. And so there's one, been one done last year that included 437 regions of all the metropolitan statistical areas that were defined in the 2010 census. And here's what they came up for national averages. What we're finding for home health aid, the national average is about $19 an hour. doesn't sound like a lot, but you start putting it together for 12 hours a day every week, it starts to add up. Um, adult daycare is, if it's used on a daily basis, 
uh, somewhere close to $24,000 a year. Assisted living is averaging out at over $41,000 a year, and nursing homes are averaging at almost $84,000 a year. The thing to remember about this is that costs are significantly more in certain areas depending on the market conditions. So, you know, think uh, on the West Coast or out here in the East Coast nearer to major metropolitan areas like New York City. And what you find is, let's take our own area outside of New York City. The, the uh, average nursing home cost is now pushing somewhere around $420 a day. So you think about that, that's more than $153,000 a year. So that's pushing, say, twice the national average. But what I can tell you is that there is a consistency that the cost ratios between these different forms of care, they remain fairly consistent regardless of your geography. For example, if you were to look at a southern state um, where the costs are significantly less than, say, like a state like New York where the costs are a lot more, that difference between nursing home costs, and any other forms, say assisted living, it's always going to remain consistent that the difference is about two to one. Nursing homes are very expensive. It's all still pretty staggering, though. All these numbers are really quite staggering. Oh, Uh, absolutely. uh, We're going to come up with a solution for all this. We do have to take a break. Uh, This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Clifford Faintish. He's an MBA, a certified financial planner, at Cedar Bridge Financial Group, based in Goshen, New York. Their website is cedarbridgefinancial.com. We'll be back after this. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. If you want to know about investing in emerging and frontier markets, or if you have experience in this field but still need to know more, tune in to Emerging and Frontier Markets Investing with Gavin Graham. Gavin explores news, current trends, and insights about both categories of investing. His guest experts, along with his own knowledge, will help you stay above the line when it comes to growth potential, whether in funds or equities. He will look at what to invest in and avoid. Tune in to Emerging and Frontier Markets Investing with Gavin Graham every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Do you know that over 70% of Americans with severe disabilities are unemployed? Are you one of the 2.5 million Americans with epilepsy? If you are, or know someone struggling with these issues, tune in to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. On the show, Joyce will discuss these issues as well as others. She will have on nationally known guests that will offer helpful insight on disability matters and let you, the listener, call in with your questions and concerns. So if you struggle with a disability or know someone who does, listen to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. Heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time here on VoiceAmerica.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. 
You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Clifford Faintish. Uh, he is a certified financial planner and expert in long-term care and insurance policies, things like that. His uh, firm is called Cedar Bridge Financial, and his website is cedarbridgefinancial.com. Uh, welcome back to the show, Clifford. Thanks, Jordan. Before we get into this, just tell us briefly what role you play in somebody who needs planning for long-term care before we get back into the details of it. Well, at our firm, we look at uh, our client relationship in a comprehensive setting. So we're really looking um, for having an engagement that starts with preparing our clients for retirement and all of the risks that come to their personal financial life throughout retirement. And those risks really can be broken down into three avenues. Those are what we call longevity risk and mortality risk and morbidity risk. And each of these risks can be managed through different strategies and different insurance. But tying them all together is what creates a successful distribution plan for retirement. And this is really why anybody who wants to put together a successful retirement plan should be contemplating working with a professional that's not merely an investment advisor, but somebody who focuses on planning and retirement distributions. Very good. And again, the website to, to reach Clifford is uh, cedarbridgefinancial.com. His phone number, 845-615-1500. So let's get back to now how a long-term care situation can affect a retirement portfolio. Say people have been saving and investing for a long time. Knowing that they've got long-term care coming up, how could that affect what's the composition of the retirement portfolio? Well, as I was talking earlier about longevity risk, the idea of planning for long-term care, it has this inexorable link to that longevity risk management in a retirement asset distribution plan. If I look back on the last 30 years, I think the financial industry (coughs) and the financial um, news industry has done a very good job in providing some level of consumer education regarding asset allocation. So as we're accumulating our retirement savings, everybody as investors, we all want the same thing. We want the most potential return for the least possible risk, and that's really achieved through the correct asset allocation. That's the science of modern portfolio theory. And I think, again, I think there's been a great consumer education out there. Most people understand the idea that if you just dollar cost average and you save over the period of years and you keep your asset allocation correct, you're going to do pretty well. But there has not been a lot of discussion or focus as much on how do you convert these retirement savings and assets into the income that you need for retirement. That really revolves around creating an effective distribution plan. So when we talk about our life savings, we're usually thinking of that as these assets that are used to support the retirement lifestyle that we're trying to achieve. And that's not going to be provided by Social Security because Social Security is only designed to provide a subsistence and not to support an entire lifestyle. Although lots of people, that's their main, if not only, source of income 
it wasn't designed that way. That's in fact they haven't saved anything, and that's well, all they've happens. got. Yes, this happens, and it is it is part of the reality of the 21st century that there are some Americans that have um, accumulated some wealth for retirement, and others that haven't. For those that have accumulated some wealth, the real puzzle becomes how to manage the longevity risk, which is not want, you know we don't want to outlive our money, and. Yeah. So how do we handle that? And the point I'm bringing across is that there are a number of factors to it. It's not simply how do you plan that distribution so it lasts sufficient for your lifetime, but how do you manage the other risks? Some of the big risks involve what we call the sequence of market returns. So it's the sequence of market returns during the early years of distribution that have the greatest effect on a retirement portfolio duration. So that's a big kind of technical sentence, but if I were to break that down, what we mean is that whatever is going on with your portfolio in the market space, in those early years, when you start pulling that money, that has the greatest effect on what happens for how long that money is going to last. Because it's not there to have compounding going on if you're taking it out, is what you're saying. You may be affecting the returns on the compounding. So let me give the point. Um, Who's in trouble when there's a big market crash if we take uh, the clock back to 2008? And we find that that's really difficult for people, say, at that time, perhaps in their mid-60s at the moment where they're starting to actually distribute some money. And they, because of those downward market returns, when the market recovers and they're still distributing the money, they may be in risk of outliving their money if they live a long time into their 80s. Now, you take somebody at the same time who's maybe 15 years younger, say 50 years old, and they're still accumulating and perhaps haven't started drawing the money yet, so they can wait for that market recovery. Or you take somebody, say, 15 years older than 65, perhaps 80 years old, and although there's market crashes and that can be really devastating to an advanced senior, um, perhaps the longevity risk is not as great, and if they're taking out a greater percentage of their assets, um, there's an actuarial concept we call funded ratio that says that, well, perhaps they're older already and burning the assets more quickly may not be as devastating as, say, a 25- or 30-year time horizon. Although a lot of people are living into their 90s and 100s these days. I think the fastest-growing part of the population is 90 plus, so you can't assume they're just going to go into their 80s and that's it. Well, this is true, and you know, we mentioned the U.S. Census. I believe that uh, in the census of 2000, uh, it proved, the data proved out something like over 60,000 centurions in the United States. And we just completed the census in 2010, and now we're up to over 100,000 centurions. So absolutely, people are living longer, and having an effective asset distribution plan for retirement assets is absolutely very important. Um, But the big deal with this, how does it tie into long-term care, is that when we experience a long-term care situation, that may compromise these assets that are otherwise allocated to provide a retirement lifestyle. So this is something we may look at in other terms, as an invasion of principle. And what it has the devastating effect of is exacerbating that 
longevity risk so that we actually may run out of money if we come into an expensive care situation. And the worst part of this is when we have people who are uh, married or domestic partners, you know, it has a, a devastating effect of impoverishing that spouse or that partner. Yes. When they attack that principle, yes. So what's the risk that you or a loved one are going to need long-term care sometime during your lifetime? Well, according to the National Medicare Handbook, there's research that shows that at least 70% of people who are over age 65 will need long-term care services at some point in their lifetime. And we talked about the three of us at a table. And yeah. so there you are, over 70%. You can get these stats from the National Medicare Handbook. It's called uh, Medicare and You, and it's published by the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services. But and how does that break down between men and women? Well, yeah, that's a, a shocking statistic, is that uh, when I said there were three of us at the table, y- you and me and the, the, the listener, I was imagining that uh, the, the three of us were men. Now, let's put women at the table, and it turns out to be that one out of every two women who live to age 65 and older are going to need some form of care um, during their lifetime. And the other shocking statistic about this is that approximately 85% of nursing home residents are women. You know, it's, it's really phenomenal because what happens, what we find is that women have longer life expectancy actuarially, and because they're living older, they get exposed to um, more possibilities of, of a care scenario. Yeah. And how about a married versus single people? Well, what we're finding is that 50% of all married couples end up becoming impoverished within one year of entering a nursing home. But for singles, it, that stat is much higher. It's 70% of all singles become impoverished just in one year of these high nursing home costs. But the thing to remember about this is it's not just nursing home because most long-term care is not what we would call skilled care. It's not a nursing home setting. It's some of those other settings that we talked about earlier. So they become impoverished because the bills are just much more than they put aside is what you're saying. Absolutely. Absolutely. So right now, who pays for most of the cost of this long-term care? Uh, Is this something that private health insurance covers? Well, again, we talked about that language of presumptively restorative, and private health insurance covers those conditions that are presumptively restorative, but it it doesn't cover what's presumptively chronic. Now, there's a different type of insurance. That's the long-term care insurance, and that will cover the costs of any condition that's presumptively chronic. And most of those types of policies will pay for those costs on what we call a reimbursement basis, meaning like, you incur the cost, and the policy pays for that cost. It reimburses and covers that cost. How widespread is this long-term care insurance? Just roughly, I mean, how many policies are out there these days? Well, it's a significant amount, but it's, um, it's interesting about the growth of the industry and at the same time the consolidation of the industry as, and as far as carriers. We're finding that there were many more carriers a few years ago excuse me, a few years ago, and uh, they are starting to, um, some of the big insurance companies are getting out of the market, and those that are still in the market are uh, contracting um, the terms of what they'll make available for these policies. And that's really because the market for these policies is growing with baby boomers. People are 
getting towards retirement age and thinking about this subject and seeking out these policies. But again, the risk pool is so very large. When we talk about one out of two women and one out of three men needing care, this is not like buying your homeowner's insurance where one out of 2,000 or 3,000 homes in your neighborhood actually gets a fire and burns down. Um, the risk pool is kind of like, well, there's so many people in the pool, uh, it becomes very difficult for the insurance companies to hedge it and actuarialize it. So we're starting to see a lot more of these policies issued, but at the same time we're seeing costs go up significantly for new policies issued. Indeed, okay. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Clifford Faintish. Uh, he is a f- certified financial planner at Cedar Bridge Financial, uh, clearly specializing in the whole area of long-term care. His website is cedarbridgefinancial.com. Uh, the phone number for his firm is 845 615 1500. We'll be back after this. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll free 866 472 5790. 866 472 5790. Voice America Business Network. In sales, are you a lion or a vulture? Lions don't wait, they just go for it. Vultures hang around until the lions are finished and just pick up the scraps. How can you set yourself apart as a lion? Join the other aspiring sales lions and listen to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something with host Ty Maynard. You'll learn the tips and strategies of top sales professionals. You'll gain more clients at a faster rate and at higher margins. If you're a sales professional, business owner, or executive, listen in every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Is your business model robust enough? In today's ever-changing business environment, people are working to transform themselves, their futures, and their business. Tune in to Business Reinvention with your host, Nancy Lynn. To stay ahead of the game in business, you have to constantly reinvent yourself and your organization. With Nancy's experience and that of her guest experts, you'll learn from stories of inspiration, innovation, and forward thinking. Listen for Business Reinvention, live every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Business Channel. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Clifford Faintish. He's a certified financial planner at Cedar Bridge Financial Group. Uh, he's a specialist in long-term care. Welcome back to the show, Clifford. Thanks, Jordan. So people would normally think that Medicare and Medicaid are going to cover these long-term care costs. What do Medicare and Medicaid cover and what do they not cover? 
Well, let's start with Medicare. Medicare only covers medically necessary care, and it focuses on medical acute care. And this will include doctor visits and drugs and hospital stays. Medicare coverage also focuses on short-term services for conditions that are expected to improve. So think of physical therapy to help you regain your function after, say, a fall or a stroke. Let's talk about what Medicare does not pay for. And that's the largest part of long-term care services or personal care, such as help with bathing or supervision that we've been talking about earlier in the form of custodial care. Now, Medicare will help pay for a short stay in a skilled nursing facility, but you got to meet some conditions. First, you have to have had a prior hospital stay for at least three days, and that you are admitted to a Medicare-certified nursing facility within 30 days of your prior hospital stay, and that you need skilled care, such as the skilled nursing services or physical therapy. So those are the requirements that Medicare puts into place before they're going to pay for any long-term care. But if you meet these conditions, Medicare will pay for just some of your costs, but only up to 100 days. So the first 20 days... Medicare is going to pay 100% of your cost. From day 21 through day 100, you pay your own expenses up to 140 a day, and Medicare will pay the balance. But you pay 100% of the cost right out of your own pocket for each day that you stay in a skilled nursing facility after day 100. So it's really for short-term use. It's not for long-term chronic care, basically, is what you're saying. Exactly. I mean, it is for a nursing home after, say, a fall or a hospitalization, but it is really short-term. 100 days is not much more than three months, and most long-term care scenarios go on for quite a while. Yeah. So people say, okay, so I can't get Medicare, but Medicaid will pay for that. So what's wrong with having Medicaid? Well, Medicaid's a joint federal and state government program, and it helps people with low income and low assets pay for some or all of their health care bills. Medicaid covers medical care and doctor visits and hospital, and it will also cover long-term care services in nursing homes only. Now, this is dependent on your state rules, and there are very strict qualifications. Under those, Medicaid may pay for long-term care services at home or visiting nurse, but unlike Medicare, Medicaid does pay for custodial care in a nursing home. So let's think about this for a second. A nursing home is the last place anybody wants to be figuratively and literally. We'd all rather receive some form of custodial care or care in the home with a visiting nurse, but what happens is that typically, and again, this goes back to women, The family assets get blown out on the husband's cost of care, and then women end up, grandma ends up in the Medicaid nursing home because there's no more money when grandma could be better served for maybe assisted living, but Medicaid's going to provide that custodial care only in the skilled care nursing home. And they will not do assisted living or home health care, really. Well, again, that w- that's very, under very, very strict qualifications, and it depends on your state. Yeah. And then there's, you know, some eligibility issues. To be eligible for Medicaid, you've you got to meet certain requirements. And you have to have income and assets that, that don't exceed levels used by your state to, de- to determine that eligibility. And I've and I got to tell you, those, those numbers are very low. So once your state determines that you're eligible for Medicaid, the state will make an additional determination 
of whether you qualify for that long-term care service. And when determining whether you qualify for that long-term care service, most states use a specific number of personal care and other service needs to qualify you for a nursing home. So what you start to discover is that Medicaid really is a needs-based program. It's really designed only for the truly needy to qualify. And it's viewed, Medicaid is viewed as, viewed as a payer of last resort. So really, that's when it starts to kick in for medical care in a nursing home. And let's not forget that under sequestration and the kind of government um, situation of financing government that we're in today, Medicaid is constantly under attack by the federal, state, and all local governments. It's costing a huge amount. They're trying to cut back on it. This is one of the big entitlements that is under attack, you're saying. Now, in order to get that, uh, you have to kind of impoverish yourself to qualify for Medicaid. Tell us the rules relating to impoverishing yourself to qualify for Medicaid. Well, there are certain asset protection strategies that you can use to qualify for Medicaid to pay for those long-term care. But uh, a lot of this stuff has changed since federal legislation was implemented that was aimed at keeping people off of Medicaid. This happened because of the Deficit Reduction Act of 2005. It changed the rules applicable to Medicaid. Some of those changes that were implemented um, applied to the transfer of assets made on or after February 8th in 2006. So this imposes a five-year look-back and penalty rules, and that five-year look-back period applies for any transfers made after February 8th, 06. And so this is the idea of where we talk about, well, let's just take the family house and transfer it out to our son, or let's make an irrevocable trust for the family and get get the money out. Well, these new rules call for planning five years in advance because to qualify for Medicaid, you'd have to go to your county social service office and they're going to say, hey, show us five years of all your account statements and all your bank statements and everything to make sure that you guys haven't impoverished yourself intentionally in inside of these five years. Sometimes there are some um, situations that we recommend uh, where under the advice of competent trust and a competent attorney dealing with uh, trust in the state, that legal counsel can help you establish a Medicaid asset protection trust. And this can be a useful tool for a state and long-term care planning. But, you know, it involves a number of things around that and inside that trust, including the asset management of that trust, various tax considerations, what kind of creditor protection you're establishing with the trust, and how does the trust work for probate avoidance. Now, the thing to remember about all this is that if you're going to look at the five-year look-back period, you may need to have some private funds set aside to run the course of, of that five years if care is already needed. Of course, there's always this idea of what we call crisis planning. It's a last resort option, but again, um, I wouldn't recommend that anybody pursue that um, unless they've engaged competent legal counsel that really knows what they're doing with trust in the state law. So this is all very complicated, and if you do it wrong, you will not qualify for Medicaid if you slip up in any of these areas, is what you're saying. True, or worse, you, you, you start collecting uh, Medicaid if they actually provide it to you um, and chase your heirs, your beneficiaries for the assets that were transferred out um, effectively uh, without qualifying you for the Medicaid. So, so if, if you're trying to do this right, do it the legal way, and you're transferring your assets, it's got a five-year period, how are you supposed to have enough assets to live for those five years until you qualify for Medicaid? 
Well, um, that's why advanced planning really uh, is, is the issue and why we start looking at um, implementing an insurance strategy to cover for these costs. That's where long-term so, care insurance comes into play. So what are some of the asset conversion strategies that you use to, to allow you to qualify for Medicaid legally? Well, there are some other um, ideas. Uh, oftentimes people explore using annuities. All right, let's say, like, I want to protect these assets, and uh, perhaps I decide to turn them into a, uh, an income, a revenue stream, and not uh, an asset. Well, you would purchase a, an immediate annuity. But the problem with that is that today, um, because of the Deficit Reduction Act of 2005, that annuity would have to be what's called Medicaid compliant. And to be that, it cannot be structured in a form that is contemplated to be a transfer of the assets. For example, if I had a client and they wanted to do a single premium immediate annuity but have it pay out with a thing called a period certain. So, hey, if they live five years, it still pays out for the remaining ten, five years of, say, a 10-year period certain, and the children are the beneficiaries of the rest. Well, it, that will not be Medicaid compliant. The Deficit Reduction Act requires that applicants for Medicaid-funded long-term care disclose their interest in these annuities. Uh, and also, these new rules require that if annuity is funded with non-qualified dollars, so we contemplate that to be non-retirement, non-IRA money, but the money that's not tax-qualified, if the annuity is funded that way and to be deemed as Medicaid-compliant, it's got to meet some very strict requirements. First, the annuity must be irrevocable and non-assignable. Also, the annuity must be actuarially sound. The annuity must provide for payments in equal amounts with no deferral or balloon payments. And the big one is that the annuity must name the state Medicaid program as the primary beneficiary to the extent that the medical assistance benefits were provided to the institutionalized individual. Meaning, if Medicaid ended up paying a half a million dollars and this annuity paid out, I don't know, a million dollars, Medicaid the state Medicaid program would be entitled to be the primary beneficiary of that money to the first half million dollars that they paid out. A lot of people are not going to want to do something like that, I would say. That's not a particularly attractive alternative to have the state get your annuity money, I would assume. Well, this is true. And um, over the course of time, uh, government is kind of closing these loopholes on how individuals can self-impoverish themselves just so that they can receive Medicaid um, and this is really why we start looking at long-term, long-term care planning well in advance and implementing insurance strategies. Okay, we're going to take a break and get back into long-term care insurance and how it may be a solution for all this. My guest this hour is Clifford Faintish. Uh, he is a certified financial planner at Cedar Bridge Financial Group in Goshen, New York. Uh, their website is cedarbridgefinancial.com. Uh, the phone number there is 845-615-1500, and we'll be back after this. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. 
Are you looking for innovative ideas on how to achieve your financial dreams? Tune in to Empirical Investing Radio every Thursday afternoon at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Join certified financial planners Ken Smith and Ethan Broga to learn how you can obtain financial success. You'll be entertained while you discover techniques to alleviate your financial concerns. Empirical Investing Radio every Thursday at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Hi, I'm Joe Swedish, CEO of WellPoint. We proudly support the March of Dimes and all they do to reduce the rate of premature birth in the United States. Though premature births have recently declined, still half a million babies are born too soon each year. We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs that help moms and their babies live healthier lives. Please visit marchofdimes.com and join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour, Clifford Faintish, is an expert in long-term care planning. He's a CFP at Cedar Bridge Financial. Uh, Their website is cedarbridgefinancial.com. Welcome back to the show, Cliff. Hey, thanks, Jordan. So now long-term care insurance may be a solution for this. So tell us briefly what kind of benefits you can get from a long-term care insurance policy. Well, designing the right long-term care insurance policy involves making a a number of decisions. And those include selecting a daily or monthly benefit that will determine the amount of money the policy can pay for each day or month that you need care. Um, It's important to uh, to make sure that the policy covers both home care and adult day care, because having this choice may be the only thing that keeps us out of a nursing home. Also, it's important to determine that the policy pays for room and board and an assistant living facility, and most policies usually pay up to the daily or monthly benefit. And this is also important because care provided in an assisted living facility is probably the fastest-growing form of long-term care. Okay. What are some of the other things that you're looking for when you're buying a long-term care insurance policy? Well, we want to make sure that we're getting the right benefit duration. In other words, how long does the policy pay for? Unlike life insurance, life insurance has one event. You know, we, we die once, hopefully, only once, and that's it. And then there, uh, a death benefit is paid to the beneficiaries. But long-term care, again, is a series of events that has to be coordinated by all the family members involved. But based on recent claims experience, a four-year benefit has paid the full duration of qualified care for more than 85% of people who have used the policy. There's also these ideas of, well, do you take a deductible, a policy elimination period? That's the duration of time before the claim is paid, and that'll be the number of days you pay out of pocket before the policy begins paying. And think of this as like any deductible in any other type of insurance policy. What kind of elimination period do you normally recommend, like 60 days or 90 days, something like that? Well, yeah, it depends on the, how much coinsurance or how, how able my client is 
to be able to afford some out-of-pocket expense because we can see that the long-term care can be very expensive. So if I have a, a fairly wealthy client, perhaps they can take a longer elimination period uh, and they can afford to self-insure a piece of it in the beginning. We call this coinsurance on the risk. Okay. What are the, some of the specific things that long-term care insurance will pay for? What can you not do on your own to qualify you to get, actually start getting payments? Well, long-term care insurance policies pay <laughs> claims, and the claims are paid when a doctor certifies that the insured requires assistance with at least two or more out of what they call the six activities of daily living. And I'm going to list these off. They are bathing, dressing, mobility issues like transferring from your bed to chair, toileting, eating, and continence. Now, if you have problems with two out of six and the doctor certifies it, then the policy will begin to pay benefits. The other form is either the mind or the body. So let's talk about the mind. A long-term care insurance policy will also pay claims... It'll also pay claims when a doctor certifies that the insured has a severe cognitive impairment. So think a situation with dementia or Alzheimer's disease. Um, so how do you qualify to get long-term care insurance in the first place? Well, to be able to qualify uh, for the policy, you're going to need to answer all the questions on a policy application. You'll have to sign a medical release. And this has to do with, like any other insurance, that requires those HIPAA uh, privacy releases because they may go and pull some attending physician statements. Uh, you would possibly participate in a telephone interview. And depending upon your age, uh, you may have a face-to-face -face interview. Are they tough on the underwriting and, and turning people down if you have any bad health experiences? Well, you know, the underwriting is for morbidity, not mortality. What I mean by that is, let's say you have something that life insurance is very difficult to underwrite. You know, if you have a, a great mortality risk, um, well, that may not be the case in long-term care. It's a very different type of underwriting because they're not concerned about what if you die. They're concerned about what if you live and they got to pay claim. Typically, how much are life insurance care premiums these days? You said they've been going up, but where are they roughly these days? Well, it depends well, on your age, I'm sure, but uh, where are they roughly? Well, you know, I mean, a long-term care policy premium can range anywhere from I've seen them as little as about $100 a month on up to $1,000 a month. But it really depends on your age at the time you take out the policy. We call that the policy inception. And that's a critical determinant of the premium cost. And there are many factors that will determine the premiums paid for long-term care insurance. And, and this really depends on the benefits that you select as well as your own health status. Um, most insurance companies are moving towards gender-specific underwriting. So we talk about life insurance, and actuarially, us guys tend to live shorter, women longer. So given the same age and health, life insurance costs more for men, male than female. It's the other way around with long-term care insurance because women live longer, and there may be a greater risk for a claim. In and general, what age do you recommend people buy long-term care insurance? Well, um, I'm starting to see uh, clients buy it earlier and earlier. Typically, people look at this in their 50s and 60s, but I've got to tell you, I have some clients that are, are purchasing this and looking at this very seriously into their 40s. And the earlier you get it, the cheaper it's going to be because you're locking in the rate at the age you start with. Is that correct? That's right. The premium is level. It's designed to be level, but um, you want to build in some compounding to the inflation on the benefits so that it keeps up with costs, which go up significantly more than inflation, cost of care. What are some of the alternatives, insurance alternatives, to owning a long-term care policy? 
Well, there are some ideas that you can pursue. Um, the Pension Protection Act of, imp- of 2006 uh, did implement some changes regarding long-term care, and it precipitated a rise in the availability of these things we call linked benefit products. So think of life insurance policies or non-qualified deferred annuities that have a long-term care service rider attached to it. So it's a contract rider inside that policy. Now, those services riders will have a lower underwriting standard because the service rider is incidental to the primary policy. So if there's some cash value in a life policy, the big thing about that policy is the, the death benefit and having some long-term care services available in that policy is incidental to it. And what we find is that in those types of things, the benefits are not as robust as a standalone long-term care policy, but sometimes they're an attractive alternative for when there are some underwriting issues um, for the standalone long-term care. So it's better to get it that way, potentially, because you're also getting the build-up for retirement savings than just to get a long-term care policy only is what you're saying. Well, that's a, it is certainly an effective alternative to having a standalone long-term care policy. Yeah. Uh, why is it so important to consider purchasing one of these long-term care insurance policies? I mean, people have been scared. They see all these numbers you're talking about and how long people are going to live. What are some of the important reasons to buy one these days? Well, generally, you're going to pay for the costs incurred from needing long-term care in one of three ways. You're either going to self-insure, which we really don't recommend for anybody with an estate that's less than $5 million, which is most of us. Um, you could depend on the government, or you could own a long-term care insurance policy. Now, purchasing that policy is the only way to provide total coverage for the expenses incurred for whether, wherever you're getting that benefit, whether it's a home health care, an adult daycare setting, an assisted living facility, or in the nursing home. What's important is when you shop for a long-term care policy, make sure you're dealing with a credible and knowledgeable insurance agent. So I recommend that you consider working with a certified financial planner. And there are also agents who specialize in this. They have different specialized credentials. One of them is the certified in long-term care designation. It's called the CLTC. And make sure to inquire if your agent has completed the requisite training to be able to write a policy that is inside your state's partnership program. Now, we haven't had the time to discuss partnership, but each state does have a partnership program for between their Department of Health and selected long-term care uh, insurance the, the, providers. I mean, the point is these are quite complex, and you really want to get somebody who knows what you're dealing with and in, in figuring out the right one for, for you. So I guess uh, we, the, the point is this is something you've got to take care of. What's going to happen to a lot of Americans who haven't heard the show and who haven't taken care of these kind of things, and they get to the point of impoverishment and they can't even qualify for Medicaid? What's going to happen to a lot of Americans who are going to need this kind of services? Well, you know, the the interesting thing is that uh, there's an awful lot of attention to the so-called one percenters and the wealth concentration that's going on in the United States today. But what I like to focus on is that there's still an awful lot of wealth in the other 99% of us. And what's happening with baby boomers is that we are now entering a phase of the world's greatest wealth transfer you know, that we've ever seen. And the question becomes... Is, are those assets being preserved for family and future generations and for providing a sustainable retirement lifestyle? Or is that wealth going to simply be transferred into the health care system? And nursing homes, particularly in assisted living and so on. If you don't plan for this, that's what's going to end up happening, is what you're saying. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. I mean, the costs for long-term care are very expensive. It's very likely to happen. It's very likely that it's not going to be covered by any of these government programs until your resources are pretty much exhausted. But the big thing about all of this is that ultimately it strains family relationships. Very much so. Well, thanks so much. You're clearly an expert in all these things. My guest this hour has been Clifford Faintish. He is a certified financial planner at Cedar Bridge Financial Group based in Goshen, New York. Their website is cedarbridgefinancial.com. Their phone number, 845-615-1500. Clearly, this is an important area to look at. And uh, Cliff and his group, somebody who can really specialize in it. So thanks so much for being a guest on the Money Answer Show, Clifford. My pleasure, Jordan. Great spending time with you today. Thanks again, and we'll be back with another edition of the Money Answer Show next week. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.